On this episode, we talk to Michael Abebe from Black Hill Private Finance. We talk about getting FCA regulated, finding funding for high net worth overseas borrowers, and much more. Now it's time to spend 30 minutes in finance. I'm uh, Michael uh, Abebe. I'm the managing principal of Black Hill Private Finance. We're an FCA uh, authorized and regulated credits broker. Uh, and essentially, we arrange uh, financing, uh, loans, bridging, mortgages, uh, aviation, corporate development, refurbishment uh, for our clients. And uh, we do it effectively and efficiently. And, and that's who we are. Perfect. No, and thanks for coming on, Michael. Really appreciate your time. Um, just a, a quick one for everyone listening. Are you able to give us a, a real quick insight as in how you actually got into this industry? Oh, okay, well, that's uh, quite an interesting story. So I, my background is private banking. I spent 10 years in the, 10 years plus in the private banking sector. Um, so I was working for um, a private bank up until um, uh, April 2020. Uh, if you recall, that's when uh, COVID hit the UK. Um, and at the time, uh, uh, we had a high um, leverage bond portfolio, which essentially got uh, severely adversely affected when the American markets crashed uh, on the back of, of COVID back in, in, in 2020, I think around March. Um, so we weren't able to, to make our leverage calls, our margin calls rather. Um, uh, subsequently after that, um, the shareholder equity of the bank got affected uh, severely. Uh, the regulator stepped in and put the bank into administration. All client funds were frozen. Um, we couldn't obviously do any lending. Um, and within a short space of time, the bank went under. Now, uh, I had a choice. So essentially, I had a pool of clients who effectively uh, said, you know, either go and uh, seek a new banking alternative in terms of an employer or uh, set up your own vehicle um, with us, you know, as, as the uh, initial maiden clients. And that is how Black Hill Private Finance was born off the back of that disaster. So I give every thanks to COVID. It literally it was the birth <laughs> of Black Hill Private Finance. Um, and we've grown, uh, you know, from strength to strength each year ever since. Um, yeah, there's yeah. nothing like a, a big push like that to, <laughs> to get you going. And I didn't even realize that you, you hadn't been going that long because you've obviously gone from strength to strength and obviously you know i'll be open with everyone listening we've done plenty of deals with michael and you know we're hopefully plenty more um, but the the sort of the reason why i wanted to to get you on is the sort of deals that you look at um are really interesting and, and there's something that I, I think is a little bit different um are you able to sort of i know you you mentioned at the very beginning of your with your intro uh, a slight sort of indication of what you do are you able to give us a little bit more flavor on the type of clients you deal with um and the sort of like what's your main sort of bread and butter basically for your for black hill oh of course of course so obviously um as i mentioned before my background is private banking so i deal with a lot of uh high net worth clients to ultra high net worth clients um it's it's fair to say that our bread and butter business would be our bridging finance business so we're talking about international and UK-based clients who are essentially are seeking you know, a few things. One, to purchase 
acquire UK property via a bridge finance. Um, if they have uh, already existing UK property and are seeking an equity release, we can do that very rapidly via bridging finance. Or if they are looking to refinance an existing facility, be it a mortgage or so, uh, and they're looking for a bridge finance to achieve that fairly quickly, then, then we're able to assist. So that's our bread and butter businesses. Um, obviously, we assist with exits such as mortgage finance, uh, which we have a significant you know, book as well. Uh, and that's uh, obviously growing, especially in, in today's economic climate. Um, but then we do a lot of um, uh, aviation finance for wealthy clients who are looking to purchase private jets. Uh, and then uh, as, if you want to add on uh, the corporate finance as well, development finance, refurbishment finance, uh, it all comes part of our, our portfolio of financing. We have an ancillary service, uh, which includes, for instance, uh, clients who are seeking new banking accounts. Again, because of our background in private banking, we have a lot of relationships with a lot of banks and are able to assist our clients with that. The nature of our clients tend to acquire uh, their properties via SBVs. As such, we also have a, an ancillary service which introduces clients to SBV setup structures offshore as well. So, yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, and we're going to have to come back to that aviation thing because I, I want to know how you finance a, uh, a private jet because that's not something I do very often. Uh, you know, I've looked into it occasionally, but <laughs> yeah, not that often. Um, but for the, the clients that you get, obviously, are sort of, are, are they mainly um, sort of, like you said, they're high net worth. Have they... Are they from all sorts of businesses or are they sort of developers mostly or is it just a, a real wide breadth? I'd say it's a, it's a fairly wide, you know, uh, breadth of, of clients. I mean, the majority of our clients are high net worth and they come from sectors spanning oil and gas and energy, construction, banking, financial services, um you know, uh, real estate as well, uh, development developers as well, internationally and locally. Um, it, it's a whole, you know, kind of breadth of scope of of a variety of clients. Um, I would say probably the majority of them are obviously from the African continent, um, West Africa mainly, a few Southern African clients. But then we have clients from Asia, uh, Hong Kong, Thailand, uh, of quite a few from from obviously Europe as well, Switzerland. Um, Germany, most of our clients being high net worth will always, you know, have be banked in multiple jurisdictions. So they'll have Swiss banking. Um, a, a few of our clients obviously have, have US banking as well. Uh, but I think the general, you know, majority would, would be banked on the African continent with, you know, some of the more uh, international uh, African banks. And most of these banks obviously have uh, subsidiaries in, in the UK as well. So it's easy for them to, to access their money when it comes to uh, refinancing and so forth, yeah. Yeah, because I know, obviously, we've done a a deal for, um, if I recall, a, a gentleman uh, living in Nigeria, um, as well as, obviously, several UK-based ones. And for the sort of clients that are actually based abroad and, you know, won't be coming to the UK to sign documents and everything, how mm. easy is that in this day and age to actually find finance in the uk for them so be that mm. uh, sort of firstly is it easy for bridges and then also secondly for sort of more term finance where mm. what sort of if someone came to you is that something you go oh that's easy can do that straight away or is that like i'm gonna have to do <laughs> a little bit of work 
So, so I, I think it, we'd have to step back and, and, and look at the structure and platform that is Black Hill. So essentially, I've spent the last three years building a platform which effectively has partnerships with, you know, over, you know, 80 to 100 institutions, uh, you know, from banks to bridge firms uh, to high net worth family offices to investment firms to private equity firms. Um, so essentially, when I uh, am presented with a new deal mandate or client proposition, I'm very, very quickly able to, you know, I guess mind map which lender uh, is, can take that on and, 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 and has appetite for that. Uh, the reality is that when you have a pool of lenders, some are going to be happy with clients that are based overseas and some are just not, you know. Um, I don't know whether I can name names, but there, there's certain yeah, UK... Well, there's certain lenders like Hope Capital, for instance, and, and Roma Finance who aren't uh, comfortable taking on clients who are not UK residents, period, uh, uh, and obviously don't have UK uh, passports. Whereas other lenders like, you know, yourselves, Aspens, MFS, do not mind at all if a client's uh, an overseas resident or such overseas in Nigeria uh, or has a foreign passport. They're, they're absolutely okay with that. So it, it varies. I have clients who are, you know, British passport holders or British based and, you know, they're, they're tickety-boo for, for some of these uh, lenders who only look at uh, UK resident type clients. Uh, yeah. When it comes to the overseas clients who uh, are based overseas and don't actually necessarily uh, need to be in London, obviously some of these lenders who cater to that allow for remote signing uh, and, and, and video signing as well. So that makes the logistics when it comes to legal conveyancing a lot easier in terms of completing and completions. Whereas with some lenders, obviously, they need the hard copy signed form. So we're talking about couriers being uh, being sent over from, from the various countries in questions uh, prior as a, as a condition present prior to, to completion in Jordan. Yeah. Does that, does that sort of the distance actually impact on the pricing that the clients pay? Um, or is it sort of, is there a bit of a parity um, between obviously UK residents and, and non? Um, that's a good question. <clears throat> I, I wouldn't say the distance affects the pricing. I'd say the pricing is more determined by the overall quality of the client credit profile, perhaps, and, um, and, and, and risk profile. That would more affect the pricing as opposed to the distance uh, yeah. of the client with, 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 with the lenders that I tend to work with anyway. Well, so if a, client, if a client's, I, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of a deal that I'm actually doing currently right now. Um, it's for, without naming the actual client name, uh, he, he, he was deemed, you could say, a pep. Um, now, obviously, there's some adverse uh, media on him, but that's all been cleared and defended in court and, and he's fully exonerated. But because there's a whiff of some adverse, it, it does, it can affect the pricing from a particular lender's uh, uh, viewpoint, um, so so that's what I talk. That's what I mean when I talk about risk profile. Uh, yeah, for so instance, it's not because he's yeah. from abroad; it's because he's a a politically exposed person, um, yeah. and that's kind of yeah, yeah. So I, I tend to see it um, pricing be uh, affected more by the the credit or risk profile of a client rather than the the, the jurisdictional location of that client. Yeah. Are there any countries that you've found? Obviously, I know you deal with 
all over the show that are, are harder to fund from. Um, I know sort of historically, um, as you mentioned, Nigeria, that would have been harder. Um, things seems to have, have relaxed a little bit on, on that front. Is there any, have, have you noticed anywhere harder than others? Um, well, I, I certainly won't do countries which are obviously, you know, very, very difficult countries. For, because when I when I take a deal on uh, for, for bridging finance, obviously my, my, my immediate priority is, is the exit of that deal. And I need to know that you know, I can refinance or exit a deal onto a long-term uh, uh, bank, you know, uh, provider or facilitator. So, so therefore, you know, there's certain countries that are, you know, more difficult or on the red list of, of the banks. You were talking about the Syrias, the Irans, uh, Venezuela's, uh, uh, South Korea's and so forth. That I just won't even bother wasting my time and, and, and touching. But in, in terms of, you know, other countries, which I would say are probably in the more category, then I, I you know, I don't see a thing those deals financed with, with, with the banks. Because I work with quite a lot of banks, there's always a particular lender available for particular clients. The only thing we have to, you know, pay attention is pricing uh, on the deal. Um, now, obviously, I categorize my banks into three categories. You know, obviously, the, the major banks, which tend to price the lowest, uh, followed by the, the, the medium-tiered uh, banks, which are in the middle. And then you get the challenger banks or maybe even the UK-African banks, which tend to price on the higher side, simply because their cost of funds is just higher. So, you know, I'm talking a bank which would be, uh, for instance, a 4% basic pricing, internal pricing, plus LIBOR. Now, if LIBOR is at 4%, we're talking about 8% right now, whereas a tiered one bank would price anywhere from about the 2.75 to 3.25. You see what I mean? Yeah. No, that's a, yeah, because it is, a, and that's it. I was going to ask, obviously, how the current uh, sort of market has actually impacted on your business. Um, obviously, things are set. Well, dare I say, settling down, maybe. Um, but they're they're less yeah. sort of wobbly than they were um, yeah. at sort of October time last year. Um, how has that sort of impacted you? And, and obviously, you mentioned the rates and everything. So yeah, yeah, let us know. Yeah, that's that's a good question. That's a very good question. A very pertinent question. Um, so I, I would divide that. Well, I would answer in, in two ways. So first of all. You know, I work with uh, when I when, when I when you deal with high net worth clients, you know, you tend to work with a, a category of clients who are, let's just say, more price insensitive to 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 uh, to rates from lenders. So these guys tend not to be as affected by pricing or or interest rates going up. They'll still want to get a deal done. Um, uh, and then the second part of that question, how I'd answer that, is that with regards to what's going on in the macroeconomic uh, uh, economy, um, in terms of interest rates and so forth, it's actually uh, caused an influx of new business for us, uh, simply because you've got those clients who have now, who were on variable rates, which have now seen a 4% rise in the last, I don't know, six to eight months in terms of interest rates, and are obviously now looking to refinance to slightly you know, more cheaper solutions. So we've had a bunch of clients coming, seeking our, our services in that regard. Um, so whilst it's become a more volatile climate out there, it's actually seen a bit of a boost for our mortgage finance business, if anything, uh, over the last six to seven months, mostly through firefighting and, and trying to find cheaper solutions and so forth. Uh, 
which obviously has, has benefited, benefited our bottom line. Uh, but in general, when you deal with high net worth clients, they tend to be more price insensitive to, to, to interest rate uh, or, or, or pricing, term pricing rates uh, within the lenders. Um, so yeah, that's what I find. I mean, and then obviously if you're dealing with clients who aren't as high net worth, they're gonna be obviously more price sensitive, which is just, you know, fairly normal. Yeah, because it's interesting that they get less so, because I would imagine there's a bit of a, uh, like a bell curve, really, that if you're sort of really struggling, uh, let's say you've got really poor credit and you don't have great income, you won't have as much choice. So you basically have to accept what's given. And then as that goes up, you get a little bit more. But it seems that once you hit a certain amount of wealth, then um, it looks as though, I, I guess, the the sort of cost of that business maybe because they're getting so much of a sort of return on whatever investments they're doing that the sort of mm. the scales are, are much larger that the actual interest rate yeah. is relatively insignificant i'm guessing um which well, is interesting it's it's not something yeah. that i've really thought about yeah so so that, that that's 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 a that's a um a true point however you also have to understand uh dave and this is probably a very very important point that i would advise anyone who is looking to get into bridging finance, you also need to understand why your clients are coming to you for bridging finance as well. That's a very, very important point for us. And most times we have found that the need for bridging finance is because they, they, they sometimes struggle to be able to complete the deals in the time they, 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 they hope to complete them. So, for instance, I'll give an example. You have a client who's, you know, is absolutely hell-bent on acquiring a new property and, for instance, may be seeking a mortgage for that. But for, for various logistical reasons, the clients are not able to move funds from a certain location in time or, or are not able to, to, to get the forex they need in order to complete the transaction in time. Um, or their mortgage is, is, is the process... Of, of of seeking the mortgage going to the various committees is is taking uh, a considerable uh, more time than they had hoped for, and you on the flip side have the asset agents and sellers or developers who are a bit of an impatient bunch, and so therefore the clients come to us seeking a quick fix solution to solve all those you know issues, and bridging finance does that. Um, mm. So we found a lot of deals have come to us because. Of of the you know the the time factor and and wanting to get the deals done certainly when it comes to acquiring property in 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 lightning quick times to avoid them losing out on on purchasing those properties so when you understand that you'll know that bridging finance solves a lot more problems for these clients uh, regardless of what the pricing is uh, on the deals and or, or the interest rates if you see what I mean yeah because they they get to get in the deal. Uh, and that's just uh, being in the game is is the most important thing and obviously that that helps um are you happy to sort of have a, a quick chat about the fca regulation side of things because obviously you got uh you're fully authorized and only yeah. relatively recently when was that sort of mid last year something like that it, um august the 5th to be precise yes last year. <laughs> yeah it's the the birth of the um the regulated or, or directly authorized yeah. um how did you actually find that sort of that process because we deal with a lot of brokers that are both regulated and unregulated and a lot of the unregulated ones are always sort of contemplating 
um, doing it, but they, they always, I think, scared off by the amount of work um, that it yeah. appears to take. Was it a lot of work, and and how how did you find it? It, it was an uh, it was an insane amount of work, to be honest. It it took, <laughs> took a lot of time. It took quite a bit of help, to be honest. And I mean, if it, 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 it took me about three months just to fill out the forms. You know, it, it's just that <laughs> it's they're that meticulous, they're that detailed. You are going to leave yourself open for you know, ultra scrutiny dating back, you know, 21 odd years. I mean, they were asking questions dating back to just after graduation, you know, wow. and, and they will go through your, they will, you know, we're talking, you know, they will go through your profile and, and it's, it's a lot of work. It, it's a lot of work. And to be honest, um, there's even more work post being regular. So I don't know if you know how it works, but when you're regulated, you literally, I mean, it, it, it's a full job for compliance, but that way. I mean, I'm yeah. a compliance officer in, from my district, but um, you're required to, to, to report to the FCA on a quarterly basis and give them in-depth details of, of the running of your business and your, and your deals and, and, and from, from an, uh, for, for the unregulated business to the regulated business, you know, so it is a lot of work. You you have to keep up to date with you know with all their their reports, their their emails, and you know I wouldn't say it's fun, but in it is what it. Yeah. Yeah, and has that actually sort of obviously since getting uh, directly authorized, has that helped your business in terms of as obviously with that and obviously all the extra sort of work, um, it does come with a, an air of credibility maybe that's the wrong word um uh, but something you know it, it there's something about it um that yeah i think unregulated yeah. firms don't have um has uh, that helped well I'll, I'll tell you specifically the ways it's helped and and the reasons why you know i chose to become regulated i mean it wasn't out of the out of a whim it was for specific reasons <laughs> with all that work <laughs> it, it couldn't have been here yeah. of, of course so so ultimately you know, as I said, we work with, you know, over 100 lenders. There are certain lenders who will not um, essentially pay you uh, a, a procuration fee or a, a, an intro fee unless you are regulated. They just won't. Um, so we we found prior to us being regulated, we were forfeiting, obviously, a lot of our fees uh, from, uh, you know, that could have come from banks, uh, you know, for ourselves. And I, we thought that was not necessary. I mean, why would we? Um, so from the standpoint of, of a financial, you know, economic sense, we, ha we, we sought regulation because, you know, we wanted to make sure we captured fees uh, when we referred business to, to the big banks. Um, yeah. Obviously, it, we're talking about the gold standard in, in, a, in the UK economic financial sector. So, yes, it has brought credibility. It has brought recognition um, and respect. Um, and when you work with certain clients, that translates... To, to a sense of you know trust, uh, calm, loyalty, uh, and understanding in terms of you uh, doing a, a good job for them. Obviously, you know as well, it comes with a sense of you know um, discipline, I guess, because you know when you're regulated, obviously you can't just do what you want. You have to work within the scope of the FCA guidelines when it comes to treating your customers fairly and so forth. So customers know that they can trust an regulated firm not to do any hanky panky or, you know, uh, or change them or provide them, you know, a less stellar service. So it, it kind of works or benefits both clients and, uh, you know, 
regulated entity as well. So it's been a win-win for us and, and it certainly has boosted our profile and credibility with all our clients. And and suffice to say that when we when I pitch to a new client, the fact they know I'm FCA regulated, I don't have to pitch, you know, as hard. I think they know exactly the sort of level uh, that we operate at. Yeah, because I guess it's like a seal of approval, um, oh, yeah. essentially, to, to go along with it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, so one other thing, obviously, and, and this is a, a kind of... a didn't obviously point this out but uh beforehand but i wanted to get your opinion on um i don't know if you know that there is a new certificate out for um sort of specifically the unregulated side of things uh for development finance and uh bridging finance um there's a sort of the equivalent of cmap but just for those in particular um and then it's basically just a, a qualification that FIBA. Um, yeah. I want to say the NACFB, um, no, yeah. the Association of Short-Term Lenders um, have yeah. helped do, um, that is is to just allow people to get a minimum level of education so that somebody cool. coming into that space knows. Um, so, yeah, what's your thoughts yeah, think, on that? <laughs> I think that would be welcome. I don't see any harm in that at all whatsoever. I mean, um, you know, I, I listen, I'm a private banker and I'm, I'm you know, qualified in multiple regards, you know, simply because, you know, before I, I got into bridging finance, I had to obviously do, you know, the um, CFA, IMC qualifications for investment management and so forth. And that, you know, helped me in good stead and, and helped my career. Um, obviously, now being a financier or commercial broker, I think the, 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 the FCA would have looked at my career as well, looked at my qualifications and, and would have taken all that into consideration prior to, to approving me as well. So I, I, I think any sort of qualification just you know, it is always a plus to the applicant or firm in question. Um, yeah. But I've, I'm going to be biased and say that obviously, you know, the FCA authorization, direct authorization is the, is probably the highest standard or the highest seal of approval. Yeah, you can get. I think so. Yeah, no, I agree. And obviously, I, I'm conscious of the time, so I don't want to keep you too much longer. Um, but Thank are you. there any kind of... Um, interesting deals or anything that you'd like to to share just to show the sort of stuff that you've you've been able to sort of do and, and clients that you've been able to help sure. with? i i have a range a vast array of deals that i've done and continue to do but the deals that i take the most pleasure in are the ones that are done i guess in, in the quickest amount of time i mean i i i mean i've got a deal closing uh, on monday which has been fairly difficult but i'm happy it's coming to conclusion on monday a fairly difficult one um but but the, the one that i take the most the, the source of deals i take the most pride in i mean will be the one i closed um in uh just before christmas on the 23rd in fact which was done literally in about i would say seven days uh you know um the client was very very quick high quality he put down 2.8 million pounds of his own money, including stamp duty. And we lent him 2.9 million. He bought a, a 5 million pounds in Johnswood penthouse. Very, very happy. Um, and it was, a, it was it was just the speed and quality of the deal. The lawyers were on point. You know, um, everyone worked well in harmony to get it done just in time for Christmas. Um, and when you do a deal of that size in, in seven days, that gives me the most amount of pleasure. Um yeah. Yeah, and your so, bank account as well. Uh, <laughs> that is um, very quick, though, for that sort of thing. That that is is exceptional. So uh, yeah, so I was going to say I've I've got a client um, uh, who is currently um, we're assisting him to refinance uh, two properties, 
uh, and we recently just got the terms approved and so forth. Uh, one of those properties is in the Bishop's Avenue in Hampstead. Um, it's, I think it's an eight million pound house or mansion or something. Um, and, uh, you know, that's going through with the bank and he's got another property in St. John's with as well. Uh, so this is a two property deal. Um, obviously I have a partnership with the bank. Uh, so I'll, you know, we'll be paid procuration fees from them and we, we charge our, our standard fees with the client and, and those two deals should close, you know, uh, around about, I would say May, June or so, but I'd be very, very happy with those because it's two properties at the same time. We're talking, uh, total loan value of about maybe 6.6.56 million, um, so that should be a nice kicker deal, but that's been a fairly difficult one uh, because you know it's with the bank and the bureaucracy and and uh, and, and paperwork is a, is a bit more cumbersome. Uh, but those are the sort of deals, you know, that sort of high value, uh, difficult, but with two properties as opposed to just one, which would kind of be like a portfolio deal, which would be exciting. So I can't wait for that to close in, uh, I'd say June or so. Yeah, well, once that one's done, drinks on you, I guess. Uh, <laughs> that'll be a decent one. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, no, Michael, I want to get just to, if anybody wants to obviously get in touch with you that's listening to this, where can they find you? Well, um, you can always check our website. Uh, there's information there to uh, to contact us. I mean, info uh, at blackhillprivatefinance.com. Otherwise, you know, you can reach out to me directly at Michael uh, at blackhillprivatefinance.com. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to always respond to any new uh, inquiry with, within 24 hours. So yeah, I'd be happy to get in touch with anyone who, who seeks our, our assistance and our services. Perfect. And I'll make sure I link all of Michael's details in the description. Uh, so if anyone does, please do get in touch with him. Um, and is there anything else you want to have a sort of mention or, or talk about? Uh, well, I'm looking forward to doing a, a whole lot more business with FBSC Finance. So, uh, <laughs> flattery uh, gets so you everywhere. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time. I've got plenty more questions I could ask you, but um, I know you're a busy man and it is a Friday. So I will let you go. Um, but thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, David. Awesome. Thanks, Michael.